Thank you.
May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, one Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make, any less, make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God. Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for this day, for the invitation to remember that we are yours and that you invite us to be a part of a community, not to live solely unto ourselves, for ourselves, or by ourselves, but to recognize how we are made better when we see the gifts in those around us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we live in a society that is more connected than ever, but at the same time in a place that feels more isolated and separated than ever. And I think some of that comes from the fact that as we connect in all of these social media platforms, we connect in a way that is very superficial. You could have thousands of friends on your Facebook page or who follow you on Twitter or who look at your photos on Instagram but you don't really have a relationship with them. I am so blessed to be able to say that I know what's happening with, with my friends who I haven't seen face to face in 20 years, but I've seen the pictures that they post and know a little bit of going, what's going on. But the reality is, is that I only know the highlights 
And more often than not, people choose to show the best of what's going on in their world and not necessarily the day-to-day minutiae that they're living in. And sometimes putting on that facade of saying that everything's perfect and everything's great is wearing on the body, is wearing on the ego, is wearing on the soul. Isolation takes a toll on us, body, soul, and mind. It is something that that can be caused by a variety of reasons, both internally and externally to us, but wears us down. We can be isolated because of that fear and depression that I talked about, but we could also isolate ourselves because of our pride and our ego, thinking that we can be the lone wolf who goes it alone and can handle it all on their own. The young have the, the issue of wanting to prove themselves so they don't ask for help and make themselves isolated in the process. And the old sometimes can take the mindset of, been there, done that, I know how it works, your suggestion doesn't work, just follow me, I've got the right plan. Which is another form of isolation, because you're not allowing other voices to take form. And I said isolation can happen externally as well. When we think about our children and youth in school, the peer pressure that if you don't go along with the crowd, you're going to be an outcast is a big fear and form of isolation. The bullying that takes place is heartbreaking and can cause major damage to our young people. In adulthood, having a boss who belittles your work can put you in a place of isolation faster than, you, than turning around in a circle. And if you're in a relationship that's not healthy and someone tries to exclude you from the rest of the world, you can get isolated relatively quickly as well. Isolation happens for a variety of reasons. And it's not always the ones that we think of. In churches, isolation happens when we talk about uh, being so focused on the way that it's always been that we won't allow any new voices to take place or shape our conversation. And then we basically push those new voices out so that they're not welcome. We've isolated them and we've isolated ourselves to a certain extent. Isolation also takes form of us being so focused on what's going on inside these walls that we forget that there's a whole world happening outside, that we forget that we're not just supposed to take care of the people inside our worship space, but to truly recognize that all are the body of Christ. The scripture that was read for us this morning by Sonny has been one that I've been wrestling with for years. I remember as a youth wrestling with that scripture and having the tension of the social dynamics of our youth program and how things could fit together and how we could bring honor despite the fact that we had the athletic kids and the social kids and the brainiac kids and how do we honor all of those differences within a youth program. But then as I was reflecting on that scripture for the preparation of this sermon, one of the things that really spoke to me is that reality of inferior inferior parts of the body and superior parts of the body, and how they're both given a similar level of honor. The reality with isolation, when we view ourselves as inferior, we close ourselves off, we shut ourselves down, and we don't allow ourselves to be as full and as, as much as we could be otherwise. 
when we think too highly of ourselves, we don't allow any other voice to take shape. And the reality is, is that when we isolate ourselves, we allow one narrative to define the way in which we interact with the world. Whether it's that I am no good, whether it's that they could do better off without me, or that I am the end all and be all, and everyone should pay attention to what I am doing because I've got it right. All of those isolate us. I promised a couple weeks ago that I would not use a cartoon illustration uh, in my sermon for a movie illustration. And I'm going to do that, but with a caveat. As I think about the realities of isolation and popularity and living in the world, two movies come to mind. The first one is a movie that came out in 1991 called Doc Hollywood. It's a movie that had Michael J. Fox as the main character, and he was a man who had studied medicine, had gotten everything in, in line so that he could be at the top of his field, and received a job at a prestigious uh, medical firm in Los Angeles. And as he makes his way from, from the East Coast to Los Angeles, he gets lost on a side road and causes some property damage to the community in where he gets lost and he's required to do community service. He was someone who was so stuck in that, I got this, I have this all by myself, that he didn't really want to participate in the community, he didn't want to do the service, but as he did it, he learned more about what made that community so special. And the reason that I say that this, I'm telling you this analogy with a caveat is because there's a movie that came out in 2006 that I have always said is a remake of Doc Hollywood, and that's the movie Cars. I know some of you have probably seen the movie Cars. It is a cartoon, and it's the story of a character named Lightning McQueen, who is the rookie uh, on a racing platform. He has the goal of being the best, to win the cup, to be the leader on the board. And in the process, he does a really good job of alienating everyone because he thinks that he's all that and a bag of chips and everybody else to heck with them. On his way to, the, to a race where he has to compete with two other cars that they all tied together on a race, uh, he gets lost in a small town of Radiator Springs. And in the process of getting lost, he too causes property damage to the community and the community says before you get back on the road you have to do community service. And through the process of doing this community service he sees the value of having friends. He sees the value of having input from other people. He sees the value of learning from additional voices. Now Lightning is one of those characters when we talk about isolation he recognized some of that isolation because at a certain point he gets a phone call from his agent and his agent says, Lightning, I've got a series of tickets set aside for you uh, at will call for any of your friends to come by and pick up these tickets. And Lightning doesn't have a single name to give to his agent about who could use those tickets because all of his relationships are superficial. All of his relationships are really more about who can do something for him 
And then he doesn't even give them honor and praise when they do something for him. He doesn't give them thanks. He doesn't appreciate them. And most of them walk away because they're frustrated. Well, technically, they roll away because they're cars. But <laughs> they, they go away because of the fact that they don't feel appreciated for what they're doing. Isolation for us can take that similar effect. When we are isolated, we only have one narrative, one voice. I know that when I get to the place that I start to feel defeated and down on myself, I feel like I have nobody to turn to. I feel like I have no support system. I have learned, and it's taken me a couple series of these, to learn that when I'm feeling that way, it's not that my friends aren't there, it's that my friends don't know that I'm struggling at the moment because I have done such a good job at being superficial and putting a nice veneer on everything, saying everything's okay. So when I begin to feel down on myself, instead of saying, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, might as well go eat worms, <laughs> I say, I need to reach out to my friend and schedule that lunch date. I need to call my best friend in Colorado who I haven't talked to in six months and just say, hey, How's it going? How are you doing? Because the reality is, is that we're better when we allow multiple voices, multiple narratives, guide and direct the conversation. We individually, when we stop staring at our belly button and thinking that we are better than or worse than and see that we are a part of something larger than us, we can be better than we were otherwise. And as a church community, it's the same way. There's a team that I think illustrates this very well. And I tell you this with the caveat of saying, I am not your sports pastor. So that's my confession to you. I really don't know a lot about sports. I can usually have a little bit of the workings of how the game operates. But if you want to talk about who won and who lost and everything else, go talk to Walt because he's much better at that than I am. <laughs> But I want to talk to you about the Minnesota Vikings. Right? You're laughing at me. I said the right team, right? Okay, sorry. I want to talk to you about the Minnesota Vikings. Did you know that they're number two seed in their division right now? All right, some of you do know that. Many people will say that they shouldn't be there. Many people will say if you look at the track record that they had last year being eight and eight, and the fact that all of their all-star players were either traded out, moved to another team, or injured in the first few games of the season, they should not be where they are today. But they have learned some things along the way that have allowed them to get there. Because I would argue with you that when you view that you have that all-star player, the one that you expect to do well, to do great, to bring your team to that final goal that will allow you to win and take you to the Super Bowl, you're kind of isolating that person and you're isolating yourself because you're not allowing yourself to be all you can be because you're expecting every, putting all of your expectations on them, which isn't always fair. But because of all of the, the fact that all of this changed, they had to change their perspective and their outlook on everything. So as a team, they have three principles that have helped them get to this place of being the second seed in their division. One of them was is that we are all important. 
Everyone stepped up and played their best and gave their all and didn't think themselves better than, but looked at their team and said, how can we work together to create the game that we want to have and do well? They also had selfless play. So it wasn't all about them, but they worked to see how they could truly be better as a whole than they were individually. And they took it one game at a time. They didn't worry about what the big goal was. They didn't worry, necess worry necessarily about the Super Bowl. They didn't worry about when they were going to go up against the number one seed. They worried to get about the game that was before them. And we as people of faith, as a community of faith, have the opportunity each and every day to worry about the situation that is before us, listen to the voices around us, and see how our gifts can work with those gifts to bring forth the kingdom of God. We are called to be a community. We are called to recognize that my gifts are different than your gifts, that are different than their gifts. But together, when we pause, when we say that those differences are not divisions, but blessings that bring about a more fuller reality, we all become our better selves. We all have the opportunity to shine brighter and to radiate God's light in ways that are profound and moving and powerful. When we choose community over isolation, we honor others in our community. When we choose community over isolation, we recognize that our thoughts are not the only thoughts, but there are a variety of narratives out there that combine together to create God's truth in the world. When we choose community over isolation, we let those other voices in. And when we choose community over isolation, we all become our better selves. Amen? Amen.